Welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Jack. And today we're going to be talking about the 2012 comedy slasher horror movie Stitches, featuring a killer clown who, after a birthday party gone wrong, comes back supernaturally to take revenge on the kids who led to his untimely death. I can't believe this is the first clown movie we're doing. Yeah, I know. We skipped right over it. <laughs> We skipped right to a to a film that's not even American. We went with an Irish clown slasher. Ross Noble is like, it's kind of a vehicle for him. Ross Noble plays Stitches the Clown. And Ross Noble is a stand-up comedian in Melbourne. In Melbourne? Yeah. Melbourne, like Australia. Like Australia. Yeah. Interesting. He's he's British. He's not even Irish. Yeah, well, he's definitely not Australian. It's really a vehicle for him. We had watched the movie together once. We decided to watch it again so that we could prepare it for the podcast. But I had asked you, does the humor ruin this movie? I think in some places it does, and I think in some places it actually heightens the performance. The writing is very witty. Right. They use a lot of puns and it's like things that they would otherwise be kind of cringeworthy. Yeah, for sure. But it's an undead clown taking revenge on a bunch of teenagers. He just says the lines so deadpan. Like the one that we both kind of groaned at was when he throws his umbrella through the one girl's face and then he just goes taken from behind. You make it hard, movie. So every yeah. once in a while, you make it a little, a little difficult to defend. Yeah, the amount of pedophilic jokes are not great. All the, the fatphobic jokes around Bulger's character, it's so overdone. Yeah. Because Bulger is like a really likable, relatable character. Yeah. And then they add that dimension to his character, which is just like completely unnecessary. To sum it up, I think the humor does... It has these eye-rolling kind of moments of like, oh man, they just did too much in some points, right? Yeah. But then there are times when it's like really great. Like in the beginning, <laughs> when when he's actually doing the birthday party, like, you know, the one kid goes, you're not my dad. And he just goes, I might be. He goes, oh, I might be. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the delivery of that. He has a really good, I would imagine his stand-up, depending on this like kind of deadpan delivery, which is, it's a very popular form of humor nowadays, like especially popularized by things like The Office. And it's just, his voice lends itself to that style of humor really well. Sure. But I don't know, what, what do you think? I think that it's a lot funnier this time. I guess mm -hmm. for the first time that we watched it, I didn't catch all of the jokes in the same way. But in this watching of it, I really felt like the humor elevated a lot of the script, especially at the beginning because of how dry the opening to the movie is. It really emphasizes a lot of character development. And we actually get to meet and kind of like care about the characters a little bit. Yeah. And there are a lot of unlikable characters, but it seems like it's able to distinguish itself between the characters that you are supposed to clearly like the characters that you are not supposed to like and the characters who you're supposed to be a little not liking because of how they've changed 
So, for example, some of the teenagers are now assholes, but it's like one of those things where, as I kind of was thinking about it, like, for example, Sarah and Paul, they were friends early on, but they were traumatized just as much as Tommy was. Well, the thing is, when they were little kids, I feel like they were all assholes. They were all just being terrible to Stitches. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we're supposed to not obviously care about certain kids because they sucked, but... It's one of those things where you do kind of feel apathetic towards the killing of some of them. But then Sarah, for example, is clearly a shithead. But there's also these, like, glimpses of not being terrible. Yeah. What makes the humor in this work for the most part and what makes the characters and the writing work for the most part is that being what it is, it's actually pretty realistic in its writing. Aside from, you know, the whole undead clown thing and, like, how he actually does real magic (laughs) to kill these children. But, like, the way that these kids interact with each other and the way that the, the personal relationships are developed is actually, like, a really relatable and realistic kind of way. This is how teenagers act. They are able to actually achieve quite a lot, which is honestly shocking. (laughs) Well, and all that being said, what really strikes me as like the most unrealistic thing to me is like why all these kids, I don't know if it's different in Ireland. I'm not Irish. I've never been to Ireland, but why are all these kids such assholes to each other? Like they're all so mean to each other. Especially in that school intro sequence where they they show their child portrait and then their name. What's the other movie that we watched that does the same thing? I'm not sure what you mean, honestly. I forget. You know the teen high school movie where they do like, does the still frame on, on the character's face and that gives you their name. The faculty? And then it was the faculty. Yes, thank you. I always hate when they do that it's just like a such a lazy way of introducing characters and i don't know if this was like supposed to be a cheesy thing that they added in the movie i think that it clearly is i don't know i think it's a joke that could be a parodic element to it think about how referential this movie is like it's clearly indebted to the horror genre at large for example the use of hypnosil as like the drug that he's taking to not be (laughs) freaked out by the clowns which is a direct reference obviously to nightmare on elm street i almost said before christmas what the (laughs) fact that it's able to sort of weave that in shows that it has love for the genre which is why maybe i'm not as mad at this movie as you are i'm not mad at it it's just that it relies on camp and i feel like that's when i'm more okay with camp is that when it's like we're playing into it rather than as this has a cult following and is campy because it didn't quite accomplish what was meant to be accomplished by it you know what i mean yes i do know what you mean it's hard to put into words but we've all seen a movie where that and i feel like this yes this is going to be campy. This is about an undead clown. We're in Ireland. We're, we're Get sassy. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> we know what we are. And we're leaning all the way into They make a lot of decisions and they commit to them. You cannot fault them for being inconsistent. That's for sure. Part of it is we talked about the use of kills in this movie. You weren't a big fan of a lot of them. <laughs> They're a little gorier. They're a little yeah. out there. Over the top. They're over the top, but you know what? It goes so hand in hand with the fact that this is a movie about a killer clown. And that is always going to be the thing with these killer clown movies. They have to make them a little over the top. Killer Clowns from Outer Space was the same thing. 
I mean, they mm-hmm. put them in a goddamn giant cotton candy cocoon. Well, it's like when you go with the theme of clowns, you gotta make them clowns for a reason. And in this case, birthday clown. He's gonna do some magic tricks. He's gonna like blow up some balloon animals. He's gonna maybe juggle some stuff and maybe punt a kid's head off. Who knows? Yeah, I think that that one's the funniest one for me personally. Because it really is just stupid. But what I want to applaud these filmmakers on is all of these kills are really unique. Which I don't think happens a lot more in horror movies. It feels like most horror movies rely on the same types of kills. Whereas this one, the shoving the the air nozzle, (laughs) the bike pump into the kid and then blowing him up. I think that that was a really good use of one, practical effects, and two, a comedic interpretation of a clown skill used for killing a teenager. Because he does the thing first where he rips out the intestines, which like gutting in a movie is not a new phenomenon. Like we see that happen in a lot of horror movies, but in this one, it's a part of the joke Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the kill. It's not the actual kill. So I think it's another one of those things where we're clearly referencing the slasher genre. And now we're going to take it to the next level of the slasher genre by using this as a frame to set up something else. Using all of the different skills of the clown as the theme for each of these moments. The umbrella thing relates back to how he starts his routine during the birthday party, right? Because mm-hmm. he's got the umbrella and it opens up and it's got glitter. And then it's, it relates to the kids that tormented him during each section. More than that, I think advances the genre a little bit. It's an original idea, too. Yeah. That's the big thing. We talked about this on one of our previous episodes. Everything is a remake nowadays. A rehash of the same type of kills, the same type of script over and over And this one did not rely on the horror genre as its foundation. It makes loving Mm -hmm. reference to it, but it stands on its own in the genre. Right. And it's like, it's an independent Irish film. Like, yeah, kudos to them. And yeah, it's in this age that we live in, that's the media industry is just so saturated. When you come out with an original idea like this, it's, it, yeah, it truly is refreshing. That being said, you you mentioned the um, the practical effects, which were outstanding for yeah. what they are. There were very few effects that I noticed that weren't practical. You can tell that there were a couple of sections where they added clearly CG blood, but they had also practical blood effects there as well, which meant that the combination of the two added to the volume, but the fact Mm -hmm. that there was still a practical element to it made it feel more natural and less reliant on the CG. So I was glad that they were able to accomplish so much with practical effects. And CGI is like the most costly thing Mm -hmm. for independent filmmakers so absolutely all power to them for using practical effects because i think that that's hard for me the comedy the first time i saw this ruined the movie i think that it just didn't work the way that i wanted it to and for some reason the second time we were watching it i kind of convinced myself it was like man actually this is a pretty clever movie it's pretty smart in its its use of foreshadowing in its use of storytelling and maybe i'm just like hurting for characters but everybody 
seemed like marginally at least obviously like why are the teenagers all mean to each other but they seemed like real people that could exist with the exception of bulger who was just kind of the fat joke that being said i'm totally fine with people in movies making fat jokes towards characters what i'm not necessarily fine with is fat characters in movies playing the joke where it serves as a function within the plot. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It's just so overblown. Is yeah. And I do have a bit of a theory as to like why they may have done that. I think maybe this is like a half-developed idea for when they were writing, but I was thinking that maybe each character and each kill has to do with one of the seven sins. Obviously, Bolter would represent gluttony. And I, I know, I think this is digging where there's not much... <laughs> to dig but then you know you got sarah who's kind of like a bit uh, like wrathful and she's hot-headed and she's always trying to pick a fight mm-hmm. and then for some reason richie down his sloth i don't know why <laughs> he's the wingman right yeah he's, he's the one that gets blown up i can actually kind of believe that one because he kind of does play that character he's like very relaxed which would then make Vinny lust paul would be pride kate right? would be envy probably yeah, so it kind of kind of works out, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like something they played around with yeah. in writing, and that's really my only theory as to why they made Bolger, why they played into that aspect of his character so much. I wonder if also the shared trauma of all these kids, maybe that's what has led to their character flaws later on in life. I don't oh, know if that's what they're trying to get to. You get the idea that Tom's a bit of a recluse and like Vinny's very sexually frustrated they all have problems i mean they're all like very like teenager problems but still yeah the actors playing the kids a little kind of like i don't believe that you're like this <laughs> they're theater kids right they're yeah all theater exactly because they're all actors it's clearly like... yeah they're not that old either they're playing 16 year olds but the guy who played Tommy was like 19 when he did the role. So it like made oh, total really? sense. Yeah. Oh. It's one of those things for me where I was just like, clearly this guy is a knockoff Daniel Radcliffe. But just <laughs> to say, I think he did a great job. I think he did a great job. That being said, all of his mannerisms, the way that he looked and the way that he spoke were Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter adjacent. Yeah. I mean, again, you got you kind of have to take your perspective with a grain of salt because what what is our experience as Americans? What is our experience with British teenage actors, right? It's going to be Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about the satanic clown cult. Maybe it's not satanic. I don't know. It was kind of an underdeveloped idea. It just served as a vehicle to like resurrect stitches. It's like, oh, once the clown starts the party, you must finish the party. And like, there's this weird kind of culture to the clowns. I like how they kind of took the research element out whenever we have some supernatural kind of stuff happening in horror movies. Usually there is this five minute bit that's dedicated to now we've researched and we found out that Bathsheba was the the woman who sacrificed her child to worship the devil in this house and then she died and now she's come back to haunt us. You know, we get that, but it's Tommy has, has been kind of reading up on clowns ever since. Yeah, he already did it, so he just kind of gives the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, which is Thankfully. which is nice because it's like, okay, we get it. You know, you understand that the eggs are important and that it serves as like a deus ex, but justifiably so. I just wish that the why was there a little bit more, a little more present. Why is it that the clown's soul is determined by the, the state of the egg? 
why is it that when a clown doesn't finish a party, they can't rest? Maybe I'm reading into it too much because it's like, it's just a goofy horror movie. But it's just weird that that's pretty much the only thing that they don't really have an explanation for. It didn't bother me, I have to say. I think that it was just kind of a dumb funny. And you know that I'm always for dumb funnies. I mean, it's fine, obviously. This movie is what it is. Again, like, they're not. The fact that they didn't spend too much time on it is better than what I'm complaining about. Yeah, they they really tried to get through it in a timely manner. Yeah, it's under an hour and a half. It's actually a pretty action-packed slasher movie. You know, the first section of it feels like a lot of character development, but honestly, it actually gets through the character development pretty quickly. And you care about the characters. I can't stress that enough. That is the biggest sin of most horror movies and they do a really good job of taking the worst character and killing him off first because you're like yeah and you're kind of rooting for the clown at first and they're like "Uh uh-oh we're getting down to the characters i care about (laughs) yeah it really gives you a reasonable progression um something that i'm not so pleased about is here it goes again sorry complaining about movies no 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 no. and and this is (laughs) i don't know if it (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Complaining about movies. Like, on a film podcast. It's just a small thing. I don't know if it was meant to be like part of the humor, but it happens twice. It happens when whoever throws the beer can at the back of Vinny's head and it just completely knocks him over. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, knocks him off of his feet and he's just down. And then it happens at the very end when Tommy flips the coin and it hits stitches in the eye and he just completely <laughs> falls over. From a coin hitting him in the eye. Yeah, well, it's a heavy coin. Okay. It repels the magnets in the clown brain. Is that a reference to the Insane Clown Posse song? It's the whole thing that got me laughing, so I feel yeah. like it's meant to be humorous, but also it's given the important moment of this is how he dies. <laughs> and the importance of him giving the coin to Tommy at the very beginning. It's just a weird touch, in my opinion, but Weird or brilliant? Um, I'm gonna go with weird. <laughs> okay, <laughs> weird, weird, Weirdly brilliant? I like also that the clown had some powers, but like, not a lot. It's like, like, within reason. Yeah, exactly. I can't decide whether I loved or hated the sentient clown nose. You loved it. It was great. It was. Did I? Okay. It was brilliant and unique. But it's it's just like it is on the periphery of stupid, which yeah. I think the whole movie kind of is supposed to be. And another thing, I'm bringing up really stupid effects, but the cat. So first of all, I'm upset with this movie for killing the cat so unnecessarily. But it's done in such a way that you don't really care about it so much. Like I love cats, and I hate when movies kill off the cat or the dog. But. It's so clearly a stuffed animal that he's just whipping around. (laughs) It doesn't really phase you. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't phase me at all because it is so stupid. But for the pet killing thing, I'm glad that they went with over stupid. If it had been done any other way, I think it would have been like more offensive. Let's talk about very briefly the score for this movie, which was (laughs) banging. (laughs) Given what it is, yes, it was a good score. It's... A fully realized orchestral score. Yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely cliched for like a horror movie score, but it works. You know, it they, they took so the parts well. that work from other horror movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it used a lot of, especially in the earlier part and then at the house party before it went a little Friday the 13th, but like at the very beginning mm-hmm. and stuff, it really played into that like scream setting. Yeah. It really reminded me of the early Scream score 
scores and the faculty score, which had that really marvelous orchestral flair and flourish to it. There was a lot of like punchiness to it. Good woodwind writing, unheard of. <laughs> unheard of in the independent Irish clown-based horror movie. <laughs> yeah, but I was just like, damn, how did, with this budget, did they get a score like that? Also, it had painting references. Well, it was the, the one with Bolger. What was the other one? That one. <laughs> That's it. It's just, <laughs> just the one reference. It was a good one. I was shocked that they had... You know what? Also, Ross Noble really committed to the movement. There was another classic painting image, but I can't remember what it was because it lost mm. me. The fact that they did that where he, they had him laying like... I was like, oh my God, they like really thought about this. While the... <laughs> The, you just died my arms tonight plays in the back. Or I just died. <laughs> it's clever. It's funny. If only it, I liked how they killed Bulger. The thing about the... I'm kind of talking myself mentally into it now. The only reason the whole strawberry thing happened might have been so that they could isolate Bulger. Well, so the strawberries... Well, the thing is, like, he went there in there for the first eight kit, and he gets so easily distracted that... yeah. Totally forgets about his friend that's bleeding out of his head. Also, the strawberries, it looks like blood. And then when Sarah comes in and is like, oh my god, are you okay? And oh, it's just strawberries, you know? So it kind of like gets played off that way. Uh, it's so sad that this movie didn't make its money back. It didn't? <laughs> no, it didn't. It only made 90995 at the box office. How much was the budget? 1.5. Really? I bet part of the issue was it didn't have a lot of names names or like a media blast for it you know yeah well definitely not was it you said 2012 right 2012 yeah it probably had a lot to compete with and then also Mm -hmm. irish independent film like hard to hard to say but right oh yeah 2012 was a huge year for movies yeah, but it's a. I think it's a good movie. I'm hoping that maybe it'll make it up in the in the home release. You know, because there are a lot of movies that kind of have a really bad showing at the box office, but then make back their budgets and more in the home video market. Tremors was one that kind of proved a box office flop is not the end of the world because Tremors was a box office flop, and then it was one of the most successful home video franchises ever. More people bought that movie than they did go see it. And that was during the time when, like, movie rental, like, blockbuster was more of a thing. I feel like back then, that kind of horror movie tended to do better for home video because people were like, uh, I saw the trailer for this movie. I'm not going to pay to see it in theaters. I'm going to just wait yeah. to rent it. Lighthearted you know? creature feature starring Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I'm going to wait to rent it. And then I rented it. And I was like, oh, wow, I need to get this movie. Yeah, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. This is a nice, like, fresh, original idea. Well, they kind of did set it up for Stitches too, which I kind of hate, but... I don't think that they would... I, I, I don't, don't think that they intended on ever making it, though. Yeah, no, I, I think they just they just followed the trope of like, oh, it's the end of the horror movie, and we gotta kind of tease that the big bad isn't actually gone. Yeah. It's They were reconstructing the egg, and it like kind of morphs back into its original state. I just, like, like that effect, though. The effect of the egg, like, fixing itself. Yeah, no, that was a cool effect. I just hate that they did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, I think that, yeah, it's it's old hat. Why can't we just have a resolution for once? I don't know. It didn't, this one didn't bother me. I, it wasn't a jump scare. And I think that that's why it didn't bother me as much. It was just kind of like a a last bit thing. 
And also, mm. I think it kind of goes with the whole, oh, he didn't finish the party again. So it's like he um, can't rest because he didn't finish the party. Everyone left. So. Take care of the, but he didn't <laughs> kill the kids. He didn't kill the kids. The party's not over. Didn't bother me as much as it does in other movies because the I think that the jump scare thing is the thing that I'm most tired of. You know it's coming and the whole point of a jump scare is that you don't know it's coming. There's the thing is like you can hear it coming from the score. You hear it. And that's how it ends. Yeah, but this one didn't do that. No. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And make sure that you check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram. Follow all of our socials. And if you like this episode, remember, honk once for yes, honk twice for no. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. 